on this episode of the Beyond the Melody podcast. Long story short, it ended up being Paul Bernardo. And my friend was Lessie Mahaffey. What? You because saw the encounter. <clears throat> she left with him to go get a cigarette. That's what happened. Here's a deep cut that you'll never ever hear. You'll breaking hear news. on your podcast, Breaking right. News. I originally cut a song called Hard Working Hands, which was the same song with, with a, almost the same chord progression. And I got Tom Wilson to sing on it. Ooh, really? And that never came out. I know that you mixed Thunderstruck. Bruce says, hey, uh, Angus, says, I need, we need like an intro. Okay, so we rolled tape. Angus lit a cigarette. So he played it top to bottom to the very end of the song, one take. What was going on through your mind when you got that high stick from Wayne Gretzky and didn't get the penalty? Here's the thing. So the rule is, if the linesman had to call it, then Gretzky's out of the game altogether. Well, that would have been a riot in L.A. at the time. Like that yeah, just sure. wasn't going to happen. So, yeah, it's it heart-wrenching that, uh, you know, we lost the game that way. Because I'm still pissed off. You're listening to Beyond the Melody, a podcast that dives into the midst of musicians, artists, comedians, writers, and pretty much anyone who craves to be creative. My name is Brian Mello, and I'm a singer-songwriter from Hamilton, Ontario. I know how unforgiving an artist's journey can be, but I also know that inspiration can come from just about anywhere. I'm sitting down with people who know how to dream big. Let's explore their impact and how it's even bigger. Anthony Caputo. My first night back home, I was with a group of friends. Um, a friend of mine had just gotten his license, and they wanted to go for a joy ride. Uh, my sister had broken her arm, and my father came to the school and got me because I had to come home because they had to take her to the hospital, and my grandparents were on their way. So my friends left. I said, you guys leave, whatever. I'll meet up with you guys later, and we'll continue this. Uh, long story short, they got into an accident. Four of them died. Kind of messed me up. It, 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 it did a lot for me. Um, about a week later at uh, one of the funerals, um, we had all gotten together after the funeral. Um, and it was about one thirty, two o'clock in the morning. And I was heading back to the plaza to call my dad. And I seen a girl there that I kind of had my eye on uh, for a while. Um, and she was complaining because her mom wasn't answering the phone. She couldn't get into her house. So I walked her back home. I'm like, let me see. Like, I'll break into your house. Uh, you know, I'm like, yeah. get a little lucky. You know what I mean? So, yeah. <laughs> so I walked her back home, couldn't get in. We came back to the plaza. Um, so I called my dad to come pick me up and uh, she was trying to call a friend to, to, to stay at a friend's house. And I'm like, listen, why don't you just come stay with me? She's like, well, I don't know. Maybe I'll try and go back. And this man approached us. He's like, you know, I heard what happened guys. You know, I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. We were having a conversation and he's like, do you guys want to get stoned? Do you guys want some alcohol? And I never touched that stuff. Okay. Um, and she was like, you know, I want a cigarette. And I'm like, why don't you just stay? Like, stay with me. Like, you know, well, you don't know who this guy is, right? Um, long story short, it ended up being Paul Bernardo. And my friend was Lessie Mahaffey. What? Yeah. Yeah. Are you uh, fucking serious? Yeah. Yeah, it was fucked up. Um, so my dad came to pick me up. Leslie went with Paul. Um, you they, saw the encounter. Yeah. The you encounter. The... He, he, she left with him to go get a cigarette. That's what happened. Yeah. What the fuck, man? And when... <sighs> When we found out she was missing, 
uh, my mom brought me to the police station and, you know, I give it the, the description I gave was this guy, I, I go, like, he looked like an undercover cop, right? Like he was blonde, blue eyes, like, you know, I, this description um, and nothing, it was, it wasn't looked at because at that time they were looking for this guy with like long, long brown hair or something and like short and whatever. Okay. So that, that messed me up. That, that, yeah, no fucking doubt, man. Yeah. That and this was right around the accident as well? This was a week after the funeral for one of our friends. And you were how old? I was 13 at the time, going on 14. Just oh going on 14. Oh, my God, yeah. man. Yeah. yeah it was, it was uh, it's a, I don't want to say guilt. Yeah. It's traumatizing. Kaz, being, a, again, a Hamilton kid, like, like when we're just from like this hard nosed town, like I I know you growing up, you would never think you'd be getting the tip of a cap from Neil Young. Yeah. You know no, what I mean? It's, yeah, it's wild. We had done a, a old version of Old Man with Neil Young, and that was a big song. Yeah, that was huge. First time he he had ever uh, uh, allowed a sample and put his voice in it, and and gave it the thumbs up. And uh, especially now, the way the way he's in social media. He's, yeah, I know. How, how do you even <laughs> how do you even get it to Neil's ears? Yeah, I mean, we we gave it to his his people, and they said no. They didn't, they didn't even listen to it. And then his manager at the time, they said he said no. But then uh, I convinced the president of my label, who is uh, Bob Caballo, who is OG. He managed Prince for fifteen years. He he's uh, his son is Rob Cavallo, who's an incredible producer. Oh, of course, yeah, Rob and president of Warner for a while. They're all they're all still. I'm still all very close with them, anyways. Yeah, he 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 got it to Neil. He just played it for him, and Neil's wow. like, "Yeah, this sounds like a hit." That's what that's what I that's what I was told. And uh, anyway, so that was that was cool. I didn't want to put it out first because I thought, "Here we go again." You know, we're gonna have. You know, I don't want to be known as the guy with the sample or the. You know, I know you do have. You do have to be careful, especially. Oh yeah, I was. Yeah, I was so nervous, and I hated it, and I, I, I hated it. I hated everything about the way it was being put out there. But I thought, how was it being put? And out I'll there? say this: the label threatened me, and they're like, "Well, if we don't put it out, we're gonna shelf you." Really? Like, oh yeah, for sure. Fuck. And I thought, well, and by the way, because I had already had my record done. And they're like, is there anything else you want to play us? And I had, I for fun had recorded that version of Old Man. Yeah. I originally, here's a deep cut that you'll never ever hear. You'll hear on their podcast, Breaking News. I originally cut a song called Hard Working Hands, which was the same song with with almost the same chord progression. And I got Tom Wilson to sing on it. Ooh, really? And that never came out. So that's just out there in the ether. No, it doesn't exist. No one really? no one has it. Yeah, I got it on a hard drive somewhere. Oh, it's, wow. And it's a completely different song, but it was that song. And then as for fun, I was like, what if it was like, because I loved Old Man. I was thinking about my dad at the time. Yeah. And and and, and him crossing over. And I thought, oh, this is, you know, well, actually at the time he was still, he was still around. Um but I thought Neil Young and this song, Hard Working Hands, which was big, basically about my dad, you know, that total steel town vibe. Big time. Anyway, so I, so I had played it to my label with, with, with like a, my janky sample in there and they loved it. It freaked out. They're like, oh, we got to play this for Neil. And then, and then it became a thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, 
you know, in some cases, like I've, I've seen it with other bands where if they're doing a cover or if they're using a sample, you know, that can kind of handicap you because well, it can make it another one hit wonder deal. You're like, Oh man, what if, yeah. what if this, you know, what if that becomes this, you know, this big, know. like, uh, like alien ant farm that did, you know, or, even or the Kid Atari's Rock. with the uh, boys of summer. That's another yeah. one too, right? He's a lefty. He's a lefty. That's right. I, yeah. I played with him. He's a lefty, but he plays upside down. Oh, wild. He like baby face. They, they play with the low string low. Yeah. Didn't, uh, didn't Hendrix do that too? No, Hendrix flipped it correctly. Oh, he flipped it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He, so he played, he played a righty with the strings flip. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. But then you put, uh, you put a bullet in my hand. Uh, uh, that, yes. Thank you. Of, yeah. Well, and that, and that fucking song i mean I that song was bigger than old man thank yeah. god yeah yeah i mean yeah. that hits uh i think what number two number three on the charts and uh i was just gonna say kind of really had a life of its own as well uh which i mean that's amazing because like again i could i could imagine the apprehension you have old man come out and then you know okay how and, and, and i might be messing up yeah. the time frame here but it was bullet in my hand it was around that same time wasn't it that yeah same. 2011 yeah and okay. yeah 2011 old man was the first single bullet was the second single. i thought so yeah and bullet bullet did much better than old man in the u.s <laughs> although old man was no joke like old man was like that in 2011 it was the 10th most played song in the u.s heavy man it's super heavy i mean that record's got over 40 million streams on spotify it, it's done it's done really well i'm super grateful Again, own your masters, way. kids. If you can, own your... big time. If I so own you, those, you, masters, you own the masters to that, yeah. No, no, I no. don't. All no. Hollywood Records owns the masters to those records. Yeah, and I never saw a dime from the Neil song as well because Neil kept all the publishing. I have no problem saying that. Yeah. I thought it was an honor, honestly. Mr. Mike Fraser. Okay, obviously this is this is uh, low hanging fruit, but everyone wants to know about this. Is ACDC. You've done a lot of albums with ACDC. Um, anything that, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot that comes to mind as far as being in the studio and working with them. Um, I'll even get a little bit more specific because I know that you you mixed Thunderstruck. Um, yeah. And I also know that that wasn't necessarily your favorite song on 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 that album. And then, and then it- Well, I don't know if it wasn't my favorite. You know, I've been asked that, you know, did you, when you were recording, did you have any inclination it was going to be the big song it was? And for me, and I think, you know, most of us when we're doing it, no, like there's all these songs, you know, there might've been a song that I liked a little better than Thunder, Thunderstruck or whatever, but you know, it was a great song. And on that one, um, we'd pretty much done all the recording and Bruce says, Hey, uh, Angus says, I need, we need like an intro, something we can intro the song with it. Hey, so I've been working on this idea. Okay. So we rolled tape, Angus lit a cigarette. And uh, he started off with a ding ling 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 you know, thing. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, oh, that's great. Okay, so we go. And he plays it all the way through the first verse. It's supposed to be just the intro. So we're like, oh, keep, keep the tape rolling. And all the way through the chorus. So he played it top to bottom to the very end of the song, one take. And at the end of the take, you know, the, the song stops. And Angus looks at Bruce and the ash on his cigarette. <laughs> this is the cigarette was. And he goes, wow, what did you think of that, Bruce? And he goes, oh, it was great. So I remember we, I think we tried, we says, well, let's do another take of it or whatever. We tried maybe one more. And we said, no, nah, no, nah, you got it. First take all the way through. So it was so good that we decided to leave it into the whole song. So if you actually listen to the record now, when we're mixing, we would just duck it down in places, but it's still there in the background, bring it up in the other spots. But uh, 
you know, that really kind of pulled that song together for me, you know, um, but no idea it was going to be the iconic song. It's, it's, you know, it's up there with their, their back and blacks and highway to hell and all that. Like, it's like, wow, I can't believe I was a part of that. You know? Unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. And then you think about like Brian on his, his, his vocals, like yeah. he's just, there's, there's no vocalist like him. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, yeah. When recording a guy like that, like, is is he kind of like how's his endurance as a vocalist? Uh, he he sort of just kind of jumps in there and does his thing. It's just the way he sings. He jumps in there and does his thing. Uh, I mean, sometimes he's he's got a cigarette going while he's singing, uh, and he likes holding his microphone because uh, that's how he's always sung and live and everything. Um, instead of standing in front of a microphone on a stand, sure. he doesn't know what to do with himself if he's just. On, on a, so he likes holding it and kind of running around the control a bit while he's doing it. Not like he does on stage, but, sure. but you know, that brings its, its challenges too, because sometimes you'll hear the thump of the cord against the mic and where you get a lot of, you know, pops and stuff on the mic. So that's challenging. But again, you kind of let some of those warts go through to get the, get the performance, you know, and the character, right? Yeah, man. Mr. Doug Gilmore. What was going on through your mind when when you got that high stick from uh, from Wayne Gretzky and didn't get the penalty? Because I'm still pissed off about that. <laughs> yeah. He, well, here's the thing that um, Glenn Anderson's in the box for a cheap call. Yeah. And he hit, uh, I think it was Rob Blake uh, about 10 feet away and he went in the boards and it's not a call in the playoffs. Yeah. So, you know, back in the days, we always said in playoffs, it's like Hudson Bay rules. It kind of things go unless it's a really bad or bad incident. So, Kerry missed the call, and I, I blame Kerry a bit, but I also blame the linesman. Mm-hmm. So the rule is, if the linesman had to call it, then Gretzky's out of the game altogether. Well, that would have been a riot in L.A. at the time. Like that yeah, just for sure. wasn't going to happen. But. That doesn't mean they couldn't have said to Kerry, Kerry, we saw it. Just say you saw it and give him a two-minute penalty, and now it's four on four. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it heart-wrenching that, uh, you know, we lost the game that way. Game seven at home, uh, the Golden Stanley Cup Finals, I'd take that challenge any day of my life. Right. And I'll never forget, though, Bob McKenzie wrote an article saying that Gretzky hasn't done anything the whole series. Imagine waking up to reading that right and going okay the best player in the world you just said he's not doing anything talk about ammunition so what you do he comes out and gets three goals and <laughs> points and it was uh, it was unfortunate because we I really felt that we were a better team and, uh, and I wish been, we could have gotten Leafs Montreal yeah, right? and, yeah and I know like Kirk Muller and he goes we were so happy we weren't playing you guys right you know just the motivation for us too would be Pat Burns just leaving there the year before. You know he knows the players, he knows what they're going to do, and yeah. So it, uh, yeah, it's obviously I've seen Kerry many times over, and um, you know I, I feel for him because he had a lot of issues like people, death threats, and different things, and whether it's just minor things, but you know he had to live with that the rest of his life, and so. He called me up and he was doing a banquet not long ago. And can you zoom in? So 
And I said, sure, I will. <laughs> and uh, so I actually had a ball of ketchup underneath me here. <laughs> so fans were there. And so I said, hi, everyone. Um, I'm glad Kerry's doing this charity. Um, I think it was for her prostate because he had prostate cancer, I believe it was. And so I'm all here, but uh, I'm like... Carrie, I'm still bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> and then the fans are laughing. And then um, I just said, no, uh, you guys have, all have a great time. And uh, again, what Carrie's doing is, is awesome. So you, you don't hold grudges like that. Sure. I, like who wants to be a referee? Tough job, man. Yeah, because you're going to get booed. At, no matter what you do. What, whatever you make a call. And and uh, it's a tough job. And in those are the days you only had one. So at least if you had two, somebody's going to be in the right position to call something. But you know what? I can't take it back. And, uh, you know, we, uh, for those two years, 93, 94, we gave it all our best. Ah. It was close.